anomaly. Uh, two things wanted to touch base with before uh, I get to the recording. The first one is, uh, as I got going in the homily, I realized after the fact, thanks to my deacon, um, that I actually um, gave the wrong credit to the wrong prophet. Um, it's actually Elijah, not Isaiah. You'll hear me say Isaiah. I actually mean Elijah. Uh, the second thing is, is you'll notice that the audio quality isn't as good as it typically is, and that's because I forgot to hit record uh, before Mass, so I had to rip the audio off of the live stream. So uh, enjoy this week's homily. Um, thanks so much for listening, and God bless. When I was growing up, uh, playing sports and different things like that, um, one of the things that, uh, that became a joke with my family um, was that I was really, really slow. I was one of the tallest kids uh, in my grade, and, and, and growing up, I was always one of the taller kids, um, but I was always very slow. Now, the reason why I was slow, there was a particular reason. Um, when I would run, I would take little bitty choppy steps. I didn't, I didn't like stretch my legs when I would run. So, my, my upper body looked like an Olympic sprinter, while the bottom half of me looked like I was running in quicksand. Um, just wasn't going anywhere fast, like pretty much ever. But I remember there was a time we were at a, uh, I was at a baseball tournament. We were visiting, we were talking to some people. And all of a sudden, a, uh, a bee, a big honeybee, came up and was right in my face. And I guess like it's one of those moments where it just kind of comes out of nowhere into your field of vision and it scares you. I remember it came into my field of vision and I took off. And I remember my mom and dad, after they saw me do that, they looked at me and they said, um, we're going to train a bee to chase you around the bases. Because I, that was the first time in my life that when I took off, I, I was running full stride. I was, I was, it was long strides, and I actually was moving fast. But the thing it was, it, it took me being scared out of my mind for my body just to react and to go. I remember it was, it was that sense of fear that got me to do something that I didn't think I could do, I didn't naturally do, and I wasn't really trained to do, but it just got me to run as fast as I could in a direction. I think today, in our first reading, that's what's going on with Isaiah. Like, like we got to get some context around Isaiah, because otherwise, what we, what we read just now... It, it may not make a whole lot of sense. So what's happening right before this in the first book of Kings with Isaiah? Well, Isaiah is a prophet of God. He's been sent by God to proclaim his message to whoever is listening, to whoever's around. Right? He's sent out to just speak God's word to the people. Well, he wasn't a, he, in, the, in this time, there were prophets that were somewhere of God. We hear about those in the Old Testament, right? But there are also prophets, quote-unquote, of other gods, small g gods, fake gods, idols. And there was one particular idol that was very, very popular. And it was the idol Baal, B-A-A-L. There were 450 prophets of Baal and one prophet of God, of the real God, capital G God. Yahweh, Israel's God. What happens is, is that these 450 prophets look at Isaiah and they're kind of laughing at him. They're kind of poking at him. They're saying, you're, you're doing this hopeless mission trying to proclaim God, your God's message 
But look how many of us are here to proclaim the message of our quote-unquote God. So there's kind of this face-off that takes place. The, the, the 450, they make a deal. The 450 prophets of Baal make a deal with Isaiah, the one prophet of God, of the true God, and they're standing there and they're going to they're gonna call down the idol's spirit. So they're doing all kinds of things. They're, they're trying to, to call out to him to consume a sacrifice that they have laid on an altar. And nothing. All day. They're out praying, preaching, screaming, hollering, cutting themselves, doing all kinds of things to try and provoke their God to receive a sacrifice. And it's crickets. And nothing's happening. Isaiah stands back. He's kind of poking fun at him. Why don't you scream a little bit louder? Maybe he's, maybe he's asleep. Until finally it's his turn. And he puts a sacrifice down on an altar. And then just to, just to show off, I think, he takes three buckets of water and pours it over the sacrifice. Now the, the sign that the sacrifice was going to be consumed was fire. The sign that the sacrifice was going to be consumed was that it would be burned up. And he's pouring water. If you don't know this, water and fire, they don't go together. But he takes water and he pours it three times over this sacrifice and it catches fire. And it, 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 it consumes itself in an all-consuming fire that goes up to the Lord. And the people that are watching all say that the God of Isaiah is the true God. The God of the 450 is nothing. And the 450 have now broken the first commandment because they've had God's, a God that is not of God. And they're all killed. Now why would that matter? Well, the king and queen of this area at the time were big fans of the 450 prophets. They were big fans of the, prophet, the prophets of Baal. They worshipped the, the idol Baal. So what happens is, is now the king and queen are out for Isaiah. He now has become an enemy of the state. And they have a bounty on his head. So like me at seven years old, sprinting away from a bee, Isaiah, is, as we come into this reading, is running away from an army. What does we hear? Elijah went a day's journey into the desert. He is sprinting. He is running. He is scared for his life. And he's running out into the desert. The desert's not a place where you just go for a walk, y'all. He's going to a place where they're not going to follow him, where they're not going to find him. He's risking his life to run through the desert because he's trying to get away from the army that's chasing him. But at a certain point, as he's running, he's had enough of it. He's had enough of the running, he's tired, and at a certain point, his legs can't work anymore. He's starting to hit that wall. He's starting to get to the point where he just can't go anymore. He just can't deal with this stuff anymore. He can't push through anymore. And finally he says, you know what? That's enough, O oh Lord. Take my life. You can hear the frustration in Isaiah's voice. That he's been running for a day's journey into the desert. 
He's trying to get away. He's trying to preserve himself. And at a certain point, his body cannot go anymore. So utterly exhausted, he says, I'm done. That's it. Dig a hole and roll me in it. Now, I don't know about you, but the last 16 months has felt like I'm running. I don't know about you, but since March of last year, of 2020, it's been feeling like we're running. But we're running, and it feels like we're not going anywhere. I don't know about you, but I've been coming face-to-face with a lot of the frustration of the last year and a half of feeling like I am sprinting in a direction and really don't know where I'm going. And quite honestly, it, it might just be me, but I feel like the words today from Isaiah mean something to all of us. That is enough, O Lord. Because I'm tired. That is enough, O Lord, I'm overwhelmed. That is enough, O Lord, leave me alone. Because it's been too much. When is it going to stop? Now this is the thing though, today God doesn't leave us exhausted. God doesn't leave us completely spent. God doesn't leave us aching in the fetal position just ready to give up. Because what happens, we hear, about, we hear about Isaiah, he stops. And the Lord appears to him, an angel appears to him and gives him food. Gives him bread so that he can keep up his journey. It's physical bread. It's a, it's a miracle that God appears to his prophet, gives him bread so that he can continue his mission. That he can continue on his journey. Promising him, like, I'm going to be with you. You did my will. You're doing my will. I'm going to remain with you. Just receive the gift that I am giving you and continue on your journey. The same God that met Isaiah in his exhaustion. That same God that meets Isaiah in a spot where he has given up in his hopelessness, that same God today again steps down to us to feed us with a miraculous bread. In our gospel, we hear, we've been hearing from John 6, and John 6 is the central the one chapter of the Gospel, the main chapter of the Gospel, where Jesus breaks open His teaching on the Eucharist. And what does Jesus say today? He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am God. I am divine and I'm giving to you this miraculous bread from heaven. Just like what happened with the Israelites going through the desert for 40 years and having manna that was given every day. Just like Isaiah who has an angel that appears and we feed him so that he can continue his mission. In the same way, Jesus is saying to you and I today that he gives us a miraculous bread from heaven that is himself. so hard. Sometimes I, 
I think sometimes for us to grasp this teaching, for us to really understand what it is that it, it, what it is when we receive the Eucharist, we almost have to take a step back for a moment. Because Jesus today in the gospel is not talking, is not going deep. He doesn't go first to I'm the bread of life. The first thing he does is he makes sure to break the preconceived notions from the people of who he is. Like you can hear it in the people. What they're saying. Oh, well, we know him. That's, that's Joseph and Mary's boy. We know him. That, that's the one that used to do X, Y, and Z. We know him. He was, we know him. We're his friend. We've been watching him grow up. But Jesus begins by first, re, first revealing to the people who he is. What does that mean for us? A lot of times when we answer the question of who is Jesus, we have a lot of different ways we can answer it. Right? We can think, oh, he's just a really good moral teacher. He's got some cool sayings. Like the golden rule, don't hurt other people, you know, love others, even the enemy, all that stuff. Like, oh yeah, yeah, we, he's got that kind of stuff. Or he's a miracle worker from back in the day. Like he gave sight to the blind, he made the deaf hear, he made the lame walk. Like, he's pretty good. Like, or he's like this old dude that used to like overthrow governments and stuff and like he ended up getting killed for it. There's a lot of ways that we can, we can think about who Jesus is. But if we don't first begin with the most simple, most basic understanding of who Jesus is, then we, can miss the, we miss the entirety of what we celebrate here. Like the first thing that we have to recognize is when we think of Jesus is that Jesus is God-made man. Everything else is extra. But that Jesus is be first and foremost, God made man. If Jesus is not God made man, everything we do here is pointless. If Jesus is not God made man, then, we, then enjoy your Sunday. Go ahead, go do something else. But if Jesus is God made man, then what he says in the gospel today, when he says, I am the bread of life and I give my flesh for the life of the world, it's true. And he has the power to do it. And he has the power to make himself present again here on this altar. You see, today when we come to celebrate Mass, we come to receive a miraculous bread from heaven. The same way that Isaiah did. The same way that the Israelites did in the book of Exodus. We come to receive a miraculous bread from heaven. And right now, I don't know about you, but I need some heaven. <laughs> I need some fuel. Because <laughs> the last 16 months has been hard. And it would be really easy to give up. How to heck with it. One of, the most, one of the most powerful moments for me, I may have mentioned this before, but one of the most powerful moments for me with everything in the last year and a half has been when we had our first Mass outside. Um, it was the first time we had public Mass in about two months. And there was one person in particular, when, when she came to receive communion, it made me cry. Because I was able to see, I saw someone who was coming to receive communion for the first time in about two months, who was starving. She, it, was, it wasn't anything short of just a starving, a, a hunger that couldn't be, couldn't be quenched by anything other 
then the sacrament, then the blessed sacrament. Today we come with that same hunger. Sometimes we can lose sight of it because we're familiar with the Mass. Sometimes we can lose sight of it because we walk into a church and the Blessed Sacrament's there in the tabernacle. Sometimes it's very easy just to kind of come through the motions and be like, oh yeah, well we're going to stand up, we're going to sit down, Father's going to talk too long, then we're going to do this little thing at the table, and then we're going to receive our cookie, and then Father's going to talk too long again at the end with the announcements, and then we're going to all go home. Like, we can really just kind of fall into this familiarity with the Mass. But today, as we come to Mass... My encouragement to every one of us here, whether it's your first time at church in a while or you've been here every week or every day, for a moment, let's not be familiar with the miracle that takes place in front of us. Because God made man is going to step down to feed you. God made man is going to step down into your situation, whatever that might be, whether you're exhausted, whether you're frustrated, whether you're waiting for the next list of stuff that you can't do or shouldn't do or need to do or whatever, like God made man is going to step down into your life and into mine to simply feed us for the journey to heaven. There's nothing more important than that. There's nothing bigger than that. Today, when we come to Mass, when we come to communion, and we just allow God-made man to feed us, to satisfy us, and to strengthen us.